This is bourbonblog.com. It's bourbonblog.com live. Uh, I've long been a fan of the Colkegan whiskey. It is an American single malt whiskey. This is the maker, the founder, Colin Keegan from Santa Fe Spirits, joining us live from Santa Fe. How's it, how's it going out there, Colin? It's going wild. We're having a bit of a heat wave or a heat dome at the moment, as they're calling it. But right. um, it's it's going well. You know, can't complain. We've got lack of humidity, so it's not it's it's lovely out here at the moment. Excellent. Well, any any weather is good whiskey drinking weather. Um, mm-hmm. I would say. And you know, I first met you. I think it was um, at Breckenridge, what the still yeah. on the hill, ten years ago or so, right after you first started. Yeah. Uh, I know you've been making this. Well, you actually started laying this whiskey down right when you guys first started, right? Yeah, 10 years ago, we started laying it down and selling about six years ago now. Excellent. Well, uh, tell us, you know, where, where should we start? Tell us, you know, what is Santa Fe Spirits? What all do you make? We uh, we really fall into the category of, um, you know, a bunch of, well, a bunch of people, me and my guys with an ideal and we started making good whiskey. And um, a few years later said, oh gosh, you've actually got to try and sell this stuff. So it was an idealist start. It wasn't a, a venture capital group with a lot of money. Nothing wrong with that. They're making some great whiskeys. Um, so we've diversified. We have nine different spirits, three of which are our single malts. We can talk about those in a bit. Right. We, we buy and process a vodka, like a lot of distilleries. That's just gravy to keep our tasting rooms going. And actually, our biggest seller is our gin. We're known for our whiskey, but the biggest throughput is our gin. Um, 40% of our income is our two tasting rooms. We can have two in New Mexico, one in the distillery and one downtown. And that's really the main reason for having such a broad range of spirits. Right. So so you do a lot of uh, business in the tasting room, a lot of people traveling through Santa Fe. Uh, You're a a destination there. Yeah, we are. People come to Santa Fe, you know, they don't only think of whiskey when they come here, but we're anxious to make sure that everybody who leaves has a bottle in their check bag, I hope. (laughs) Very nice. Well, let's let's, let's start with a taste, uh, uh, just so that everybody knows what a special whiskey the call Keegan is. It is the American single malt whiskey um, that, I mean, again, a lot, it's becoming a hot category, but... uh, before uh, a lot of these brands were doing it, you all were doing it. Uh, what what inspired you to uh, create an American single malt whiskey 10 years ago? Um, it's funny. I, I live in an apple orchard where the apple brandy, we'll talk about that in a, in a minute, comes from. And I was just going to have a hobby. I'm an architect by training. Designed a house in an apple orchard. Project fell apart. I bought the apple orchard. Designed to put my house there. And then... Um, Really, as I was putting a business plan together of how to make apple brandy, somebody said, well, not many people drink it. Why don't you do something you really enjoy as well, which is single malts? I've come to love single malts, or whiskey, really, but single malts more than anything. And um, we started laying down Colkegan. It wasn't called Colkegan at the time. It was uh, back in 2010. And uh, this year, we're going to celebrate our 10th anniversary and coming out with a, um, a sherry cask finish version of the Colkegan specifically for that. Um, other that, things about- that, that, so that'll be the, the 10th anniversary whiskey, the, uh, uh, the sherry finish. 
Yeah, the Sherry finish will be uh, our fourth in the lineup, and it will be um, starting at tasting rooms only, and then New Mexico, and then further afield. Um, I decided my favorite whiskeys have always been smoked whiskeys, but uh, with Colkegan, we really had to tone it down, to be honest, for the American palate. Um, you know, I'll drink an Ardberg or a Lagavulin or a Lafroy any night of the week I can. And um, that's just too smoky for 90% of people in America. And that's what they think of when they think <laughs> of scotch. They think, oh, it's that thing that's going to really attack you with iodine flavors and stuff. It, it's not, but it's a different category. So um, American single malts weren't really their own category when we started. Um, I joined with six others at Binnie's in Chicago, one really stormy day in, uh, it was 2014, or, yeah, 14, or was it? no, 16, sorry, 2016. And um, we actually started forming the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission. Wow. Uh, there were six of us sitting in that, six groups in that, six distilleries in that room. Um, a lot of names you already know, there was Westland, Westward, Virginia Distilling, um, who else was there? Copperworks. Um, oh, few. Paul was there. Um, and the, the sort of same old cast of characters, but now there's 130 members of the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission. That's amazing. Uh, and so you it's created really that commission, which you said six years ago. Uh, six years ago, yeah. We started that, yeah. And my whiskey around. <laughs> yeah, please do. And the goal with that was to give direction towards the American single malt whiskeys? Yeah, really the goal is um, sort of category recognition. You know, the bourbon blog um, is a great thing. It's, it's all about bourbon, not all about bourbons, but you know, primarily obviously about bourbons, your, your specialty, Tom. But um, something you know when you're buying an American bourbon is you get a quality product, you know, um, because of the restrictions that are on it, you know. It's the corn, it's the aging, et cetera, et cetera. That's um, sort of what we're looking for in the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission, which is a really long title. But anyway, the, the group was looking for trying to sort of get their arms around building a category. And we basically, and Steve Hawley's the president of the guild, and he, he'd be a great guy to, you know, talk to a lot of people about whiskey. <clears throat> but... Um, He's, uh, I say guild, sorry, commission. Um, the, the mission from the very beginning was to put some sort of restrictions is a, a tough word, some guidelines around how we go about it. Right. Um, we don't want to be the Scottish Whiskey Association, the SWA, right. which to us seems like an exclusive group. We're an inclusive group of, of whiskey makers. Um, we welcome people. Uh, the there are suggestions that we took to the Taxation and Trade Bureau are quite far-reaching and wide, you know. Um, cask size can vary in many different ways. Luckily for me, because I age in new and used oak with this whiskey, right. it doesn't have to be used oak. It doesn't have to be new oak. It could be either. It can be either and or a mix. Um, it's a single malt, so it's going to typically be barley. But, you know, we're talking about other grains, et cetera. Um, you know, classic whiskey rules and regulations really for helping sort of 
not control, but guide the category. And there really is some big names from the craft single from the craft world in there that I'm very happy to be associated with. Um, another big reason for doing it is category recognition really helps in liquor stores. You know, craft spirits really need every leg up they can get. Right. And when you go down the aisles in a liquor store, you'll see scotch, you'll see Irish whiskey, you'll see bourbon, or maybe American whiskey is a separate category. But you don't see an American single malt category. You might even see a Japanese single malt category. Right. But we're trying to have a definition from the TTB so that we can have one of those hanging banners on the string above the aisle that hopefully has, you know, 30 or 40 good single malts there. So you're still you're still working to get that definition. Yeah, we've got our um, manifesto, if you want to call it that, into the Taxation and Trade Bureau, and it is under review at the moment. And that doesn't really sound like a lot, but to get it onto the desk of the Taxation and Trade Bureau is quite a feat, and to get it under review is quite something. Um, the ACSA, uh, I'm, a, I'm a board member, not that that really swung anything, Right. has uh, really supported this effort, as has Discus. Uh, th those two groups have really sort of put their seal of approval on the, the paperwork we put out. That's excellent. So what are you all um, wanting to the definition to be? I mean, we have a general idea of what uh, American single malt whiskey is, but what's, what's the definition you would like to see? For great well, we're looking, yeah, we're looking for... Um, Whiskies that are distilled above 80 proof. And they're also, um, they're, they can be aged in various size casks. Uh, the, this cask size, I'm going to have to remember now, is over 700 liters, which sounds a bit of a weird category, but it's a sort of internationally recognized cask size. And you can go down from that if you like. But really the big differentiator is one grain, one distillery. Um, it's to give everybody a chance to experiment within that category, but not really be so restricted, you know, 51% corn and new American oak, like right. bourbons have a lot of restrictions on them, which, um, you know, can make it difficult sometimes, you know? So you want to see it be one grain from one distillery. Yeah. Uh, and that, that grain could vary then. It could vary. Um, and we haven't put anything in there about additives, but of course, to get the uh, enzymes, you really do need barley in there and or added enzymes in there. So it, it's going to be, um, it would be a challenge to do it without barley, but we can have other grains in there too. Usually though, in most cases, from what, from when we see American single malt whiskeys, it is barley. Usually, yes. 90% right. of the time it's going to be barley. Now, you can, and some people call it adulterated barley. Our whiskey um, has a third of the grain is mesquite smoked. Okay. And a third of the grain is um, unsmoked. Is unsmoked. So our suppliers do send us grain from two different sources. I mean, we buy from Brees Malting House in um, Chilton, Wisconsin, and Chicope, um, which is where BSG has a malting house. But it is one grain, it's barley, that's sent to us and processed in our distillery. And there's some good craft producers out there that wouldn't fall into that category. So we're having you know, big discussions with various people and um, trying to make it as inclusive as we can 
without really degrading what the mission's about, which is high quality whiskey. High quality whiskey, right, exactly. Yeah. So again, uh, one grain, and would that grain mean that it would have to come from the same source or just the same kind? Same kind of grain. Same so, kind of so ours doesn't come from one source, it comes from two. So it come from several sources. You could do things with it like um, mesquite smoke, et cetera, but yeah. it would have to be all one grain. Has to be one grain, yeah. And it has to be made in one distillery. So if we had a, you know, a building up in, I don't know, Idaho or somewhere, right. we molded it up there, some of it up there and some of it down in Santa Fe, we, that wouldn't classify for the category we're in at the moment. Has to all be malted, uh, same time. Well, not, not malted. The, the malting's done outside, but the actual distilling is the done. Distilling, right, has the, the distilling and the distilling. You would be doing it all in one place. Yeah, well, all in one place. You've created is amazing. So part of what I'm getting on this, uh, the original in the American white oak barrels yeah. is that I'm getting that nice mesquite, aren't I? This yeah. Is, that smoke, it, and it's, it is, it, this mesquite is bold, but it's not so bold that it, um, that it overtakes it. I mean, it's a real, it's a, it's just a really well-balanced boldness. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the whiskey. We, we wanted to have something that when we put it together, it really differentiated us from general, just sing, American single malts. We really love the category, but wanted to be a bit of a different fish in there, like Santa Fe Spirits is in a, in a lot of cases. So mesquite smoking would set us apart, although there is, Actually, about four or five now good mesquite smoke whiskeys out there. Uh, Del Bac is known for one, right. and Balcones. If they start putting one together, they'll probably crush us because they're big enough. But uh, you know, they everybody's trying some variation on it, and there are lots of different smoking. Um, but we only smoke a third of the grain, so a third of the grain is smoked, and two thirds is unsmoked. Also, to help temper that, is a third of the whiskey is aged in new oak. As a bourbon, typically, it, it has to be. And uh, two-thirds is aged in used oak, typically like a scotch would do. So um, it's uh, the, the smoke is tempered by the new oak barrel as well. So I, we, we think that's what actually makes it work out. And you can see it's I've got ice cubes in this one because it's so hot here at the moment. But you can see it also. It's, it's got a lighter color to it as well. I am cheating, but I know what it tastes like already. <laughs> yes, it is. It is so lovely that the mesquite comes through nicely. I mean, there, there's wonderful smoke, not too much of it. And this is aged for about how long then? Um, it's a minimum of three years for Col Keegan. Um, we'll have some four and five years in there. What we do is a 15 cask blend. It's 53 gallon casks, full size, two thirds. So it'll be 10 used to five new poured into the blending tank. And we're looking for some with, you know, maybe stronger smoke, some stronger oak. And we're really trying to keep Colkegan the same. We are laying down three times as much as what we're selling. So we're actually building a much larger inventory. So as we go through this, um, we are going to be able to, when we get to an eight-year-old, I might put it on the label, but I don't think it's worth putting it a number on the, <clears throat> excuse me on the label before that right um but it's a minimum three year at the moment maybe minimum four year in about 18 months time right so we're looking at uh between th three to four five years or so uh -huh. and you've done have you done some other some releases that you've released some uh you said some older whiskey no we we will do uh, as we 
you know, we'll, we'll do some specialty releases. I mentioned the Sherry cask finish. Um, that's a, that's a regular Cole Keegan that we poured into Pedro Jimenez Sherry casks. Um, so that's a minimum of three years to start. When the time we get to our, hopefully we have a party, we'll wait and see at the moment in September. Um, that will be a minimum four-year-old whiskey. The same as the apple brandy cask finish, which I did shift over to. Yep. I got some of that. Yes. Yeah. That, that's that is the, the maroon label. Yeah. That's the maroon label. Um, How long is it going to that apple brandy uh, cask? It spends a minimum of a year in apple brandy casks. So we age it, actually there, there is a difference in how we age it in that we do what we call a wet empty. And I'm sure you've heard this, but if, maybe if everybody on the call hasn't um, empty the apple brandy out of the 25 gallon casks, we age that in half sizes because uh, we're trying to push the oak a little bit, but that brandy's aged for two years in that cask. So it's really tempered down the oak, oakiness, empty it, turn it back. And by weight, there's about two gallons left in that barrel. Then we pour the Cole Keegan straight in while it's still wet. So there's about two gallons of apple brandy to 25 gallons of Cole Keegan. Amazing. And again, yeah. it is Colin Keegan. He is the founder of Santa Fe Spirits. If anybody has any questions, ask them down below or tweet us back, whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, looks like uh, we do have a fan. Uh, Tom Greener is enjoying some Colgan cask strength single malt from batch number eight. So he's actually batch number eight. Wow, that's going back a bit now. That's good news. Yeah, he's sipping on that. I know Tom's he's, a fan. He's of not that. drinking it fast enough, Tom. You, I, you just get... <laughs> What's that? He's not drinking it fast enough. If he's still on batch eight, he he, he liked it so good. Now that would have been how many batches back? Um, we're currently on batch fifteen in the bottle, right. and batch sixteen will be bottled within six to eight weeks. Now, wow. It's Excellent. busy resting. We we truly believe in the way we like to describe our whiskey is it's uh, you know a classic style uh, made in the classic fashion, but with modern technology. We've got modern stills and temperature controls. But when we pull the fifteen casks at a time out, we put them into a big blending tank and very slowly add the water back. We don't want any of that sponification, you know, the sort of soapiness that can come if you throw the water in too fast. Right. Right. Um, and you have the so you have the apple finish, the um the original in yeah. American and then you have a is it a cast strength as well? Yeah, I, I need to get you one of these as well, Tom. I didn't That's have the cool. packaging when I sent you them, but I will send you this is the cask strength. Um and this is actually um a each cast strength bottle is a single cask release. So there's only gonna be, you know, depending on the angel share. 220 to 240 bottles of each cask. But when we pull those 15 casks to make Cole Keegan, we actually, um, you, you're, you're tasting it, obviously, as you're putting it into the blending uh, tank. Mm -hmm. But sometimes a cask uh, will just call out, leave me alone as I am. I've got the right balance of what you're looking for. And it's just right the way it is. And we start tasting, that's at 118 proof. So wow. we start tasting at that. And go down to, yeah, that's 118, a cast strength. It's not as massive as some, but it's pretty, it's got a, it'll blow your skirt up, as we say in England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, now, when you were, when you were um, growing up, was obviously in, in Britain, were you, uh, 
scotch, single malts, these were these were with some of your favorites then? I'll be honest, I picked up my, my it was scotch that I was drinking, a lot of scotch later in life, um, kind of when I could afford a good bottle, to be honest. Um, I, uh, when I was going through college and stuff, you know, when you start drinking, I just drunk whatever whiskey was there. And in a lot of cases in England, there was blended whiskey. Right. And I couldn't figure out what the fuss was all about. Now, those are people who know the difference between single malts and blended whiskey. Now I get it. <laughs> but at the time, it was like, oh, God, this is pretty harsh, and I don't like it. Um, there are some good blended whiskeys now. Um, but in when I was growing up, you know, 30 years ago back in England, um, the blended whiskeys, the doers, um, even Johnny Walker, I, I I don't particularly care for that as a whiskey. They, they've got some great brands out, but um, I would lean towards single malts more for the differentiation between them. So I really, I got a love of whiskey later on in life, really. Right. And the uh, and you say your gin is one of your most popular products. What? And tell us about the gin. Yeah, the gin, um, let's see if I can grab it out of the category here. I typically have a bottle somewhere in this category. No, I don't actually see it. Otherwise, I get a bottle to show you. But anyway, right. um, it's called Wheeler's Gin, named after Montague Wheeler who was a cartographer that laid out the meets and bounds of New Mexico. It's a square. It wasn't very difficult. Um, he, uh, he came south, whereas Lewis and Clark went north. They laid out the northern territories. And 30 years later, after them, he started laying out a lot of the southern territories. <clears throat> While he was here, he was a, an amateur botanist, and he wrote a couple of pamphlets on the botanicals in the southwest, which... To those people who live in the Southwest, you'll get a little smile across your face. It's so dry here. It's hard to grow anything, really. Um, <laughs> it really is. But um, we only have five botanicals in the gin. Um, the most prevalent note is white desert sage. That sort of dusky, sagey smell that wafts across the desert. Um, when we were putting it together, our goal really was to smell like the rainstorms in New Mexico. You wanted it to really reflect that. Hmm? You wanted it to really reflect New Mexico. Really reflect New Mexico. So all the botanicals are sourced within 30 miles of the distillery. We sometimes have to buy them from other suppliers, but the white desert sage grows here. There's a rosemary flowery note in there. There's choya cactus blossom. There's um, a root called osha root, O-S-H-A, and that's used in herbal teas. The Native Americans used to chew it, and then the Spanish. Um, a bronchial dilator, they used to help you breathe if you had a cold. Um, but it, it's a really earthy note that we use as the grounding note in the gin. The top note, uh, beer lovers love, that, love to hear this, is Cascade Hops. Because I, I always feel gin needs some kind of citrusy back note. We don't get citrus because we do get snow here in the winter, so that would kill any citrus plants. But... The Cascade Hops, we actually buy from Santa Fe Brewing Company, another great group. Wow. And um, that's, the, that's the high note. The Osha's the low note. The big note in the middle is the sage. There's the cactus. Oh, and there is juniper. We really have played the juniper way down in this. So these are some notes that we typically wouldn't find in other gins uh, that, that come across to really reflect mm -hmm. Santa Fe. And I should probably also say... Um, 
Coquigan, I mean, it's is it in most states? How many states are you in? With We're in uh, 11 states at the moment. Right. Um, but we really, unfortunately, have had to, re in recent times, even before the COVID pandemic hit, um, we pulled back to six that we can really focus on. Um, our, our main focus is the Southwest. It's New Mexico, Colorado. But we have a lot of government control states, uh, right. Idaho, Montana, Oregon. Oregon's great for craft whiskeys. New York's a big state for us, uh, Illinois, and uh, Texas. Yes. So we have pulled out of places like, um, uh, where was it, Georgia we were in, and uh, we tried in Washington State. Um, it, it's th Those of you in craft spirits know that the struggle of marketing dollars versus, you know, keeping the lights on in the distillery. We're still small enough that it, it, it's a factor for us. Right, As you got to gotta balance, gotta balance all that out. And if you want to find out where uh, Santa Fe Spirits and Colquhegan uh, whiskeys can be purchased, that's that's the website you can go to and and learn about where to find it. And there's probably are there people if they're not in one of those states, they can buy your products online. Or there's some online. Um, <laughs> it's something. I mean, I'm I was a board member at ACSA, and I put yep. my name back up again. Um, one of the big challenges we're taking on, as well as the federal excise tax reduction, is direct-to-consumer shipping across the whole U.S. Um, we were recently with a store called Davidson's in Colorado that was shipping our product to 26 other states. Wow. Um, they lost their license. I think Colorado changed the rules and regulations. And we're actively looking to sign up with another online group um probably somebody like caskers or flavia or somebody like that which to us sort of fits our our brand right. better so we'll be seeing those uh come online more and more um as you uh, yeah. grow what you're doing and you've grown it uh you know slowly in a beautiful way starting with really old product um when you first yeah. put a bottle i mean it's very it's very well aged and just really delicious. There's nothing quite like it uh, from the very first time I had it several years ago with you. Thank you. I was immediately impressed with just how um, how much complexity, how much depth. Uh, it's the beautiful notes that you would get on a, a scotch from Scotland, but also mm -hmm. this, this great part of Americana with the mesquite and with the other elements. It's just extremely um, well thought and there's really uh, nothing quite like it. Uh, and if anyone, again, if you have any questions for, for um, Colin Keegan, please ask us down below. And Donald Snyder is watching oh, us. Oh, there's Donald. <laughs> hey, Donald, what's happening? He, hello from Florida. He's drinking Coke Keegan single malt. We know he's a fan of what you do. And uh, so many people that really know good whiskey in the business like Donald um, love your stuff. And people that just find good whiskey. Um, with... Um, with your coquigan, I mean, obviously, great by itself, and that's how I usually have it with a little ice. Are there any cocktails that you've ever seen done with this that you like? Or, um, sorry, I'm I'm sending an email to Donald here or a text no, message to Donald. On right. I'm going to put on the company change. Um, <laughs> I I'll, I'll, I will answer that in a second about cocktails, but what I was going to say is, uh, all right, please. Donald was um, he's quite in, an inspirational guy for. Um, those of us in the craft spirits world, those of you who don't know who are listening, Donald has a, um, a proprietary software 
that, and I'm sure you know this, Tom, that yeah. he sells to all of us or we lease monthly. And it really helps us take care of a lot of TTB reports. He's one of the experts that if you sign up for his service, you just get all this wealth of knowledge. He says nothing but help craft distilleries. And um, that's one of the great things that people like yourself, Tom, who get the word out about whiskey all the time, people like Donald who really support us, that they don't get to be front and center on stages, but there's a lot of great people in our industry. And this is somebody else, Martin Duffy, who supplies us with, and you know Martin Duffy. Yes, yeah, Martin Duffy. These wonderful glasses, yeah. He, there's some great people in our industry. And um, I just want to have a shout out to anybody and everybody, one for drinking it, and two for um, just being part of it. The distillers, of course, we all know who we are. We get our names splashed around all over the place. But the rest of you in the industry, like Tom, who are doing a great job of promoting us left, right, and center, and like Donald, who are, you know, making sure we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's and uh, not getting into trouble with the taxation and trade bureau. <laughs> It's a great band of brothers, and I'm happy to be part it of it. It is. Cheers to you all. Cheers to you, Colin. Cheers Donald. to everybody. Yes, cheers to all those who drink it and all who are watching tonight. And uh, Donald actually just said the Santa Fe Spirits Tasting Room is one of the best. So he's a big oh, fan thank of your, you, Donald. Yeah. A big fan of your yeah, he, he and I tied one on there. That was a lot of fun. We had a good time down there, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, he came in and did a um, an implementation for us at the distillery. And... Um, Daytime was hard work, but nighttime was hard drinking. So we were having a good time. <laughs> um, I'll ask you I'll answer your question. I, I sideswiped that a little bit. No, that's bit. fine. Take your time. Um, cocktails. Um, I am definitely a true believer in drinking whiskey neat. I really, yeah. really like it that way. However, um, my personal favorite cocktail is two parts Carl Keegan to one part. Let me see if I got a bottle of it here. Adapino. And those of us who know this know anytime you see me, I'll carry a bottle of this around. Whoop, I gotta get it the right way. This is a roasted pignon liqueur. Oh wow. Which is um it's our unaged whiskey, Carl Keegan, uh, sorry, not Carl Keegan, Silver Coyote Base. And it's roasted, it's a roasted pine nut liqueur, wow. or pignon as they call it out here in the Southwest. And it's sweetened with ponderosa pine resin. So it's really reminiscent of just being out in the woods. So two parts Colkegan, one part Adapino, one part vermouth, a dash of orange bitters and a dash of walnut bitters. And you're gonna have a cocktail that is Definitely in the boozy whiskey category, as I like mm -hmm. to describe them, in the old-fashioned Manhattan kind of category. And um, it's got a great name. My One of my bartenders named it after me. They call it the nut job. <laughs> That's the nut job. It's the nut job. nut job. Yeah. Um, but Atapino, you call it the Atapino? Atapino? Atapino, yeah. It's named after the Adelaide Trail and pine nuts or pignon nuts. Um, those of you who know whiskey in this world of ours, this craft whiskey world, uh, Johnny Jeffrey, from who's now at Bentley Heritage, doing great, some great work out there with Bentley, and they, uh, I really am desperate to see when they come out with their whiskeys, the great stuff they'll do. That really is grain to glass, they're, they're their operation. But Johnny Jeffrey is um, 
a good friend of mine and a wonderful whiskey maker, he came out and did, for him it was sort of like a sabbatical, but he was with us about a year and a half here in Santa Fe. And he's a trail runner and he was out running the trail and he loved the smell. There's not many smells here because we don't have much humidity. So it's dry, but when you do get a rainstorm, he could smell that up in the mountains while he was, he's a bit of a yompy stompy mountain man. He was up there running the trails and um, he wanted to get that into a bottle. And he did a great job with our liqueur, the Adapino liqueur. Kudos to Johnny Jeff. If, uh, if there's whiskey drinkers out there, you'll know his name. And that, that, is, uh, that is the nut job. That's Excellent the nut job. stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I will say for this time of year, um, I, I, I don't do it with craft whiskeys. I will do it with a, a more standard whiskey that's affordable. But uh, whiskey and ginger. I, I think just whiskey and ginger beer on ice is, is a great summer drink. I, I like my whiskey more than I do any of the other gin and tonics and that kind of stuff. Um, whis whiskey ginger is good. And um, also, you know, Manhattan's is a favorite of mine. Ours is a smoky Manhattan because of the smoke in our whiskey. But, of course, it technically, for the, the real aficionado, is a Rob Roy. Um, because it's, oh, got, course, yes. it's got a single malt in it, not a bourbon. Right. A bourbon is a Manhattan, you know. You know more about bourbon than I do, Tom. <laughs> well, you know, it's I could see it working in a, in a Manhattan quite well, or a, or yeah. a but that would um, be really nice. And I've always been a fan of the um, the silver uh, coyote that you guys do. Oh yeah, the, I, I keep jumping up into my liquor cabinet here. Yeah, that's, that's always been a, uh, a a very special one for the. Um, that category yeah in in the white dog category whoop I, I, i'm going the wrong way i'm back to frontier i better make a pilot i can't reverse fly um this one what sets that apart as the, in the white dog category is it's um it's 100 percent malted barley so uh to, to my palate unaged corn i i love my bourbons but that's because they've aged in a, in a bourbon cask, uh, obviously in a whiskey cask. But um, unaged corn in, in a white dog can be a little bit sharp. Those of you who've had, you know, moonshine, etc. Um, this one being malted barley is just got that sweet graininess. And it's a very deep heads and tails cut. So there really is only 50% of what comes off the still that goes into that bottle. That's, no, it's... it's um... It's very, it's very special. And again, the Silver Coyote, um, that's one that, that was one of the first ones you started making, wasn't it? Yeah, actually, when we started and being in the, um, I wouldn't say underfunded, <laughs> to us it's a lot of funding. But anyway, in the smaller category, uh, we started with Clear Spirits. So we had uh, Silver Coyote because we could make it and sell it straight away. Um, quite hard to start a distillery just selling White Dog. If anybody is starting up, I would wait until you've really got your brown spirits ready. I wouldn't do that a second time around. And then we had our vodka and our gin, uh, then our apple brandy, which is really what the, the genesis is, was of starting this whole thing. And uh, then the single malts came in. And now we're more known for the single malt than anything, which I'm very happy about. I mean, that was really yes. the eventual goal. 
that is uh, that is so important. And again, SantaFeSpirits.com is the place to go to check out everything they do. And since we mentioned Donald Sauter, I'm going to put his website up there because we were saying such a yeah, you know, he's so important for uh, the whiskey business. If you're wanting to learn about his uh, his software and, and what he does, WhiskeySystems.com is the place to go. And we appreciate uh, folks like Donald and those in the business who've been watching us uh, weekly since we started this during March. You know, we started this uh, show back when the pandemic hit and we wanted to get great people like you on Colin every night. We've done it just about every night since uh, wow. since March. Yeah. And we just, we've, yeah, we've had a fun time doing it and it's a real pleasure and honor to uh, spend some time with great people like you, Colin, and, and drink some great products. And um, for, you know, for you, what is, what has, um, what's it been like for you all? What's been happening there since the pandemic's um, hit in March? Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I, again, I'm going to go back to my band of brothers, people like yourself again, Tom. Um, BSG, Brees Malting House, Saver Glass, Bruni right. Glass, the Cork guys, Tappy, Kevin Owen, and Leo over there at Tappy Corks. Right. We're all kind of in this together. Um, you know, you, you were talking, Tom, that everything you do is about tasting, really, you know, and yeah. um, you have to do it remotely. And that, that's a challenge to all of us. Um, we felt the challenge the same as a lot of people. Um, we turned to hand sanitizer, which was a stroke of genius by somebody in the craft spirits movement. I didn't think about it, but as soon as I heard about it, we jumped on it and we joined every other craft distillery moving from being, you know, trying to find a source for good glass into finding a source for plastic bottles to put hand sanitizer in. Right. Um, it really did give us two months of uh, survival. We donated a lot, but we actually sold a lot to the local population here in Santa Fe. Uh, we got some great contracts with Santa Fe Public Schools and uh, Los Alamos National Labs, if anybody knows New Mexico, or the Manhattan Project is where they basically came up with a nuclear bomb. Um, that's a big facility up here. They're a big supporter of ours, and a lot of the bigger organizations decided to try very hard to buy local, right. and um, we were providing hand sanitizer, as was the everybody in the New Mexico Distillers Guild. Not everybody, but those who could in the New Mexico Distillers Guild. We all had vodka on hand, you know, we because we were buying vodka, we had high-proof vodka, and we could make it. Um, and that gave us two months more survival as did the PPP loan, gave us another two months survival. Um, who knows what the rest of the year is gonna look like? I mean, I don't wanna be dour or down. Uh, we're optimistic, we're pivoting every which way we can. But um, yeah, it, it's gonna be a challenge for those of us in the craft world right. and those of us who supply the craft world, you know, because if there's nobody buying your corks, in Kevin or Leah's case, or nobody buying your bottles, or maybe even, your software in Donald's case, you know, um, it, it's going to become challenging, but uh, I really think we can all hunker down and make it through. Um, I'm an optimist. You don't start a distillery if you're not an optimist. I can, I can tell you that you've got to be a little crazy and a little optimistic. Right. But um, yeah, sanitizer was good to us. Um, and we have a lot of good friends out here in New Mexico. Um, there's quite a bit of poverty. And I, I wouldn't generalize too much, but a lot of the Pueblos um, are very poor. And we donated a lot of hand sanitizer to the Pueblos. Um, wow. 
And it, uh, as did a lot of other distilleries here, Tumbleroot is another distillery based here in Santa Fe, good friends of ours. They really led the charge there. We sort of tagged along with them, to be honest. Um, wow. And uh, the others in the guild here, um, we have a new, I was the guild president, but I'm not. Uh, we handed it over. I handed it over to Sky DeVore. I think she's done a great job. We're lobbying for some help from the government, but not really just more handouts. We're lobbying for direct-to-consumer. Hopefully, we can get it here in the state of New Mexico. Right. Um, curbside delivery, pickup. Um, the ability do you have that to already, or do you, you already have the curbside? We, have, we did that all the way through. That came about very oh, early on. We got a letter from the um, ABC, the Alcohol Beverage Control um, Director, and he let us do that. And that's really how we could sell the majority of our hand sanitizer, running out to people's cars with a little bag and a box of hand sanitizer and hopefully a bottle of whiskey because they let us sell, you know, um, spirits while we did that. Right. Um, a lot of good stuff. Something else that we're working on and a lot of people are is uh, RTDs, ready to drink cocktails. We talked about Manhattans. Yes, I see all those on your base. You've been, you've been making some of those too. We'd be making a lot of those, actually. We have right. five different RTDs, and that's really what's selling a lot of, um, as a lot of distilleries. We're, we're a classic version of that, you know, um, selling a lot of RTDs, hand sanitizer, and um, whiskey when we can. That's excellent. So the, a, lot, a lot of good options for you, but what you are hoping to see uh, from uh, in more and more states, especially yours, well, every state is the ability to actually send directly to consumers, right? That would make, a, I think, a massive difference. And it would actually go hand in hand with what, I, I wouldn't say the federal government, let's just leave that aside for my political views at the moment, but with the state governments, they're trying to say, distance yourself, distance yourself. We think if we can sell online to people, it helps everybody stay distance. They don't have to come to us to get called Keegan. We could FedEx it to them or UPS it to them, you know? Um, Becky at Katokin Creek, there, our new guild president at uh, ACSA, she managed to, um, her and her husband Scott and a lot of other good distillers in uh, Virginia there, they, they managed to get um, direct-to-consumer shipping allowed during the pandemic. And I think they've proven, or, or will by the, the end, whenever the end of this is going to be, that it has really helped small business. It hasn't impacted the liquor world in a big way. And um, it's kind of just good for business. The same as um, in Kentucky, uh, the Kentucky KDA, Kentucky Distillers Association. Yep. That's a huge lobbying group. And they've got direct-to-consumer shipping. And if those guys can show that it's really working well, they, they manage this, I think, in Washington State as well. Um, I believe they did in Oregon as well, just during the pandemic here. If we can prove from those states that everybody's being responsible and there's not really a backlash from this, that that would be a way that businesses like ours could really survive. Um, distribution is difficult and more difficult than before. Uh, it's not distributors at all. They, they are suffering as well because on-premise is really, in most states, still closed. Um, but they have to look after their big brands. I mean, that's business 101. You look right. after your best customers. And um, if Jack Daniels is selling a lot, you, you start looking after that. And that's, where, that's what the customers are looking for. 
in the majority of cases is affordable products because a lot of people have lost their jobs. So we, we really, if we all work together, um, I think direct-to-consumer shipping can help us in a big way, partly because what it gives is, in the case of Santa Fe Spirits, it would get us to a scale where distributors could cope with us. The bigger distributors that can help us get into other states don't really know what to do with craft spirits because it's a hand sell. It's not just a programmed thing. If right. we can get to a scale where the public really want us because they've been buying us online for the last five years or whatever, then we go to a distributor. We can say, look, we're selling 10,000 cases, which would be great for us. Please pick us up. So it, it's not cutting. It'll cut into the sales in a tiny way, but it'll remove us from bugging them to put us on a shelf. We'll be selling it online, and then eventually it'll go back to the liquor stores. And we're not trying to hurt liquor stores because they're our friends too. Right. It's Everybody great. has to work together. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, that Everybody was a bit of a uh, speech. That was my soapbox piece, yeah. It was wonderful. No, it's so important because, again, no matter what the state is prior to the pandemic, there are some states that got it passed, but distilleries yeah. were – generally unable to send um, and sell spirits through their website to people yeah. in their own state or other states, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, we, we can't pass, Did they just do it within the state borders? Is that what happened? Um, I think in Virginia, um, and I go back to Becky at Katoka, right? because um, that's who I've talked to a lot. She, she's led a really good charge and really helped do ACSA and a lot of other distillers all over the place. She's right. done a great job. Um, they, they showed a photo of like a wall of um, the product that they delivered in a day. And I know for any craft distillery, that's a lot of booze to, to send yeah, out. And it's all signed for because UPS and FedEx know how to get signatures for things. They, they know how to run direct-to-consumer things properly. Right. So anyway, it, um, hopefully those states – um, don't get any backlash from the detractors from this. Right. Um, Hopefully it continues. I, I, I really think it's good for the industry as a whole, yeah. and it will strengthen us all. Um, I don't think it will lead to any more underage drinking. That's not something you want in the craft spirits world. Sure. And they're sure. typically – underage drinkers are not going out. They're looking for bottle of Cole Keegan. They're really not. I mean – and. Um, you right. know, I, I don't think it leads to lesser product like they've had in other countries. You know, you hear about Mexico and India, I heard recently, people poisoning themselves really by drinking methanol. Um, that's not what craft spirits is about, and it's not what we're going to try and sell, you know. Online, I, I think it's the way to go. It's catching up with the modern world, bringing the, yes. the three-tier system into the modern world um, in a responsible way if we can all talk about it. Yeah, no, I think it's important to have those discussions and yeah. and to give uh, craft distillers, especially, every chance to uh, to sell that they can. And hopefully, that'll um, hopefully only good things will come from um, this crazy time that will yeah. change uh, the future. I mean, that's uh, that's what we can look forward to. We hope that the good some good things will come from this. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as I say, you start a distillery being an optimist. And, you know, all of us in our, our little craft world. And um, let's hope we all come out of this 
smiling and happy and uh, all our businesses make it. We, we, we know some of us will fall by the wayside, but um, I really hope, hope, hope we can all band together. I see some consolidation happening actually. Um, I don't know if it's gonna be suppliers and distillers or just distillery to distillery. Um, if a lot of us can put aside, you know, I have to make a mesquite smoke single malt, or I have to make my vodka. I think there's, I mean, distributors do it all the time. They consolidate, which, right. you know, for us now is our access to the market, but it's business, you know. I mean, I think for us business could be some consolidation, you know, other companies partnering together if the rules and regulations can allow for that. But it's back to rules and regulations. Sure, sure. So you think some some of the craft distilleries might somehow consolidate or, or join forces then? As much as they can. It's very difficult right. to do across state lines, I think. Right. But um, be more regionally. it's not impossible. If you've all got the same vision and you would all rather see both of you survive rather than, you know, none of us are going to get rich on this. Right. Not in the craft world particularly. Well, I think you speak to some important points because, you know, while we know um, people are in, still enjoying good spirits uh, during uh, the pandemic, liquor stores stay open. Yeah. A lot of the time, except for the enthusiasts, the whiskey lovers, and those that want to support local, uh, a lot of the time what they're buying is aren't, aren't the craft products the last few months, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, um, well, it, it started out that way. That you know that the joke was, give me a handler Jack Daniels and a box of wine, and I'll be happy. But um, talking to the others in the New Mexico Distillers Guild, right. we have seen sort of a swing back to people saying, okay, you know, enough of the drinking, drinking. Let's sit and taste something fun. Right. And if I can support, let's local have something business, good. I will. Yeah, it's, it's been quite hard to see people doing that. Sorry. Yes. No, I think I think it's so important. And I hope that uh, consumers continue to do that and, and supporting local, whether it's restaurants, locally owned businesses yeah. and spirits um, is so important. So the Cole Keegan, again, the uh, the whiskeys that we can find are the Apple uh, Finish and Brandy, the Finish and Brandy yeah. Apple Casks and the original and the uh, cast strength. Um, definitely look for these. These are just these are so tasty as well as your other products I've had before are so good. When will that sherry, um, sherry finish be out then you said in the fall or? That'll be out in September, yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be available in the tasting room September. We're trying to have a big party, um, but that could be put all the tables out in our parking lot at six foot distance <laughs> and have one person per table with a, a little sample cup. And if they like it, hopefully they'll buy a bottle. Um, We've only done two casks of it, but they're 60 gallon sherry casks. So uh, we'll, we'll have, what's that, 400 and 500 bottles of it. Um, sold just out of the tasting rooms for the first couple of weeks. Then in New Mexico, probably Colorado, and then the other states we distribute in. We'll, we'll do a, a case drop to each state um, just so we can get it, get the word out there. Right. What's it, what's it tasting like so far? It's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, um, when we do our apple brandy cask finish, I was going to talk about that quickly. I don't want to hold everybody up too long. No, it's good. It's when so we good. do the 15 cask blend, we yeah. pour 15 casks into a tote, one of those big stainless totes, the big 500-gallon ones, and then we will uh, let it marry 
add some water back to the 92 proof, then we actually, be, while we're getting towards the 92 proof, even a little higher, we pull a few hundred gallons out and finish off in the apple brandy casks. Mm. And what that does is it, it, it's regular Colkegan with another year of aging. Wow. And I love Colkegan, just the way it is at three years. But four years adds just another couple of layers of complexity. And we're seeing that already in the sherry cask finish. We've got another four months, three months ago. And um, I'm excited. I'm really excited for the release. That is exciting. I see uh, Mike uh, Mike Lissack, who's watching on YouTube, is asking how the uh, sherry cat finished oh, cat is coming. Thanks for so, asking, Mike. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be good. It, we're, um, I tasted some. Actually, I, I one of the things I was doing before we got online. These are the samples that I have. Mm. You can see them right here. Um, yes, hand labeled. My distiller doesn't have the best handwriting, but he's a good guy. Uh, I'm tasting <laughs> I, it at 94. We're tasting it. So we're at the stage of two, final label approval. Nice. Um, oh, 94, nice. 100, 104, and 108. Um, we're leaning towards 100 proof at the moment, but we taste amongst our friends and families. Really good. Yeah. Right. And um, Yeah, that sounds really good. Sorry. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds amazing. I would love to uh, love to try it when yeah. that comes we'll, out. We'll get Mike some bottles out in circulation, and maybe we'll have an even a different chance to talk about that. We'll, and uh, we'll get you back. Yeah, and we'll taste some sherry. I'd love that in September. We'll definitely do that. Yeah, uh, Mike says Colin is a delight, and his whiskey is wonderful. Everyone should go buy it. So, Mike, thank you for watching us on YouTube. Um, Mike, I, I you five dollars. Thank you for saying that. What you're doing? Uh, our friends from My Whiskey Den. On YouTube, say pick the 105. That's what they're voting for. So um, a lot of great people watching us. Again, wherever you're watching us, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, make sure you like this video, share it. We always like to know that uh, people that support um, wonderful whiskey makers and craft distilleries like Collins uh, are sharing it. So definitely share this video. Uh, and also make sure you bookmark bourbonblog.com live as we're here just about every night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, I know that on Saturday we'll be back with um, a cigar and whiskey night. We'll be talking with the uh, former star of the show Pit Boss on Animal Planet, Shorty oh, cool. Rossi and Maddie Rock. We're having cigars with them and whiskey and you know what? I, I I think your whiskey goes great with cigars. I may have to pull out one of these bottles on Saturday when we have our show. Uh, quick side note, I don't want to hold everybody up. We have a couple no, of please. people. We, we have to heat and humidify our Rick House in New Mexico because it's so dry and, and hot. We heat it through the winter. In the summer, we humidify it. But um, with the humidification that we have in there, we have a couple of people that have taken two of our casts that we've emptied, knocked the heads off, and they okay. age their cigars in there. So they get a, a Colkegan aged, Colkegan cask aged cigars. They're putting them in there and they're using that as their humidifier. Yeah, this is with this with the smoke wow. behind the whiskey. If you like that kind of evening, a smoky evening, it goes well with the cigar. 
That is cool. So they actually put the, the tobacco itself or actually the cigars that are already made? Cigars themselves. And they're they because, you know, they're soaking up some of the flavor. That's incredible. Um, so it's a, I, it's drink cigar, I, I drink I drink whiskey. I smoke cigars when my wife isn't around. She will not put up with too much of that. But I will have one as fast often as I can. You said, I think you said she wasn't there tonight, right? She's not here tonight, so I might have to crack out a cigar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. No, I think your whiskey is really great with cigars and uh, goes so well with uh, so many things. It's so rich. It's complex. Uh, there's just so many um, so many great things. Whether you're a bourbon drinker, a scotch drinker, or you just like the uh, American single malts, it'll be exciting to see what happens in this category of American single malt. When do you think that, um, I know you all are with the um, American single malt commission. Is that what you're called? Yes. Yeah, the American single malt whiskey commission. We're under review with the taxation and trade bureau. Our, right. our paperwork is under review to get uh, category recognition. And um, Steve and Jared and Jason and Christian and Gareth have all done a great job of really sort of taking this further forward. They've done a lot of a lot more of the heavy lifting than I have, I'll be honest. Um, but the thing about the, um, <laughs> the, the Taxation and Trade Bureau is there's a government agency. There's many avenues to go down, and there's many people who need to sign off on things. Uh, they, they signed off last year on white dogs that were submitted to them about seven or eight years ago. So it might be a road to hoe, but... Um, Hopefully, with the changing landscape of um, alcohol and the, the, the spirits industry, it might move further forward, and uh, hopefully it comes up sooner rather than later. Well, we wish you the best with what Keep you're doing. Keep your eye on that ball. Yeah. And, and all the distillers making great American single malt. I'm loving uh, yours, and so many of the ones that are coming out I think are so interesting, and I think it's great that we're seeing more and more of it. Uh, cheers to you, Colin, for all you do for the um, the spirits, uh, craft spirits industry and what you've done for American Single Malt. And um, it's so good to see you, man. I'm looking forward to hopefully when all this is over, seeing you for a good glass of uh, I'm, whiskey. I, funnily, for an Englishman, I'm a bit of a hugger. So I miss the hugs for my craft distiller buddies, you know, you included, Tom. And then maybe it's still on the hill, maybe at ACSA conferences. Here's to everybody in the craft world and uh, Kudos for doing what you do. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. And thanks Cheers. to everyone watching. Uh, we raise a toast to you as well. And again, make sure you check out SantaFeSpirits.com. And if it's, anyone has any questions, drop me a line at Tom at BourbonBlanc.com. Cheers, Colin. I'm thanks looking so forward to Saturday. Man. Saturday sounds great. We'll do. We'll do cigars and whiskey Saturday. Sounds good. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Hey, 